Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm Joe Lowry, and on today's show, myself and Jordan Angeli continue our very specific predicting and get to the Western Conference. We did one very specific prediction for each team in the East last week. Now it's time for the West. We go through every team, all 13 of them in the West, make one very specific prediction and get very excited about the MLS season. It's coming soon, folks. It's coming soon. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Jordan, we knocked out our Eastern Conference very specific predictions last week. We are back for more this week. I'm starting us off because I have the first one in the alphabet, Austin FC. My specific prediction is this. No Western Conference team will invert their fullbacks more than Austin. Jordan, we kind of talked about this before, but I'm really getting at one specific player with this prediction, and his name is Nick Lima. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Talk, talk us more through it. So I think I mentioned this on the show in the past, or if I didn't, I've been thinking it. We we talked about how Josh Wolf spent time with Greg Berhalter coaching the U.S. men's national team. And what was the first real big tactical thing we saw with the U.S. men's national team? Well, it was Nick Lima tucking into midfield and forming kind of a double pivot next to Michael Bradley or against next to whoever in that midfield. I think we could see that from Austin this year. I think we actually have seen it some in preseason. I saw some buzz on Twitter about how Nick Lima would be tucking inside in possession next to Alex Ring. And I think this is something that Josh Wolf is looking to replicate this season, whether that be with Nick Lima, I think mostly it will be, or with another fullback or another right back on this squad. I think we can I think we can really see Austin move that fullback inside more than any team in the West. Atlanta, I think we'll do it a lot out east, but in the West specifically, I think Austin are gonna do it the most. And when you when you say that are like every time he comes inside, that counts as one. Yeah, and I said double pivot or exactly. I don't know how we're going to track this. I'm really hoping somebody out there is going to take up that mantle. But you know what? Someone reached out on Twitter and asked if we wanted to do at the end of the season kind of a review of how we did. And I love that idea. We just might need some backup for situations like this to count different things for us. Right. Well, we could also do the um, good old eyeball test, right? You're right. right. We're going to be watching a lot of games, so we're going to see which team really does it the most. And I, I, I agree with that because I do think one of the things that Nick Lima is good at is keeping possession and moving forward with the ball as well. And he can, he's shown that he can do that in that inside channel sitting next to whoever it might be, whether it's on the national team or here next to Alex Ring. So I like that uh, specific prediction. And you also just have to think how excited Nick Lima must be not to be man-marking across the whole entire field <laughs> this season. <laughs> He's not going to have to man-mark across the whole field. He's not going to have to play left back, at least we don't think so. But I think this could be a right. good year for him. I think it could be a good year for Austin, but we'll just have to wait and see. All right. I like it. Way to start it off. I think that's a really good one. I'm going to go next, and we're going to go just a little north of there to the Colorado Rapids. Oh, yeah, baby. And... I am going to start off with my uh, – we talk about a lot about this guy on MLS Assists. Eunice Nomaly yes. will log 116 dribbles over the season and lead the league. Oh, I love that. It's okay, contextualize yeah, that for me. 100, 116 feels like a lot. Is it a lot? Tell me more. Right. So that's what I was trying to, to figure out because when we talked about him last season, he is so smooth on the dribble. He likes to get forward. He can 
make defenders look silly on the dribble. And yep. he has a really good success rate. Last last year, he was 75% successful in his dribble. So he's good on the ball going forward. I also looked at, okay, who had who led the league? Well, he was second last year only to what player? In terms of dribbles attempted? Yeah, you're going to know this. Christian Pavone is my guess. Yes. Good yeah. guess. Good guess. Um, so he was second only to him and he had 66 dribbles. So, uh, when you look at the number of games Nomaly played, he only played 17 games last year. So when you add that into a, a 34 game season, 66 dribbles over, like convert that to my prediction of 116, I think it's, I think it's pretty reasonable. It feels but doable. The one thing I do. Yeah, it does. And the one thing I do think will go down is his, uh, percentage of success rate because I think people know what to expect now from him and they know that he's good on the dribble so he might get tackled a little bit more and not be as successful but it doesn't mean he's not going to try to attempt it and he's a good outlet and a good uh variation in the way the Rapids want to play they do want to possess and move it to the wings but when he gets it he has the freedom and ability to play what he feels do you think we'll see more of Eunice Nomley as a 10 or more of him as a right winger this year just oh, your gut feeling. I, I think as a 10. As a 10. 10. I love it. Yeah. Don't you? I think I, – so I would love to see him more as a 10. I think we'll see him more out wide just with the depth that the Rapids Ooh. have in midfield. I mean, do you sit Kellen Acosta or Cole Bassett so you can get Nomley at the 10? I probably would. I don't know if Robin Frazier will based off of what we saw last year. But I don't know. We'll see. Okay. All right. I still love the prediction. Eunice Nomley is one of my favorite players to watch in this Thank league. You. We t- we talk about him yeah, enough. I feel like I feel like we talk about him more because other people don't talk about him enough. Maybe it's just because he he's with the Rapids and they don't get talked about quite as much as a lot of other teams in this league. But he is a phenomenal player that I'm looking forward to watching this year. Yeah. All right, Joe. Back to you. On to FC Dallas. Jordan, FC Dallas will sell one of their homegrown players by or on September 1st. I kind of did this with NYCFC last week (laughs) and saying that they would sell James Sands. I wasn't willing to be quite as specific this week with Dallas because there are just so many talented homegrowns on this squad that I think have a really good chance to get minutes under Luchi Gonzalez. Just some of the more likely possibilities. Paxton Pomichol, if he can get healthy and really be a consistent player for them. He's got to be the most likely to go by September 1st, by kind of that the end of that European transfer window. Edwin Cerillo, who looks like he's in line to start some more games without Thiago Santos, who I actually kind of liked in Dallas. Now he's off, I believe, back to Brazil again. Cerillo could get more games at the 6th this year. Then you've got Jesus Ferreira. If he can find a more consistent position or, or at least make some more, uh, have more consistent output this year than Ricardo Pepe, Tanner Tessman, Dante Seeley's another kind of wild card coming up potentially from North Texas SC and getting more time with the first team. They just have so many different homegrowns each and every year. It's a credit to what Dallas is doing in the youth ranks. And I think they could be situated to sell one of those homegrowns by or on September 1st. Well, it's not just what they're doing, but they're also actually selling their homegrowns. Yeah. Which is, which means in turn that teams in different markets are watching Dallas because they see the influence their sold players are having in various markets o- overseas, abroad. And so they're saying, Oh, well, the, this actually does translate. Whatever they're doing in Dallas is translating to different leagues, whether it's in Portugal or Italy, wherever it may be, that they're saying, okay, well, maybe we should keep a closer eye on this team in Major League Soccer and the youth that they're bringing up. I completely agree. It's, so a, it's, really, kind of that, it's a really good point. It, 
Yeah. And it's kind of that, it's not, it's not a catch 22, but it's kind of that place where you just have to sell some players and make the jump. Because if you don't do that, then teams aren't going to ever think you're going to strike a deal with them. Mm. You know, I think that's one of the things that we've talked about with a couple other teams where it's like, you have to sell these, these young kids and give them, give them an opportunity to go play abroad. Otherwise, you're not going to get the eyeballs. They're not going to have the opportunity to show what your club can really produce. Yeah. And I, I agree with all of that. And I, I just to circle back here, I kind of, I kind of chickened out on this prediction. I was trying to think of the word because I didn't talk <laughs> about anything about how they're going to play or, or what's going to change on the field for Dallas. Because Jordan, honestly, I don't know. We expect that we're going to see the same general style of play. We're going to see Lucci ball, right? They're going to keep the ball. They're going to play out of the back. They're probably going to average more possession and more passes than they did last year. Last year was a bit of a down year for them on the ball. But I mean, how are they going to line up positionally? Is it going to be a 4-2-3-1, a 4-3-3, a 3 at the back shape? I don't know. I haven't seen them in preseason. I know there are folks out there who have seen more of them over the last few weeks than I have. But man, I just have a lot of questions, not necessarily even bad questions, but just general questions about how FC Dallas are going to look on the field. And so I was kind of too scared to get into anything tactically with this prediction. So I went with the homegrown player development. It felt safe, but it also felt really doable for 2021. Well, and Joe, we're going to talk about all those tactics just next week. <laughs> You're so, so right. I mean, <laughs> no rush. No rush. We'll get into the tactics, people. We can do whatever. This That's the point of this show right now, these predictions. You, <laughs> you can get into whatever you want to. And I like it. I like Jordan, the, thank you. the thank you. idea that some of these players are going to go abroad and, and get sold. So, <laughs> Thank you for making I'm me feel here. better. Thank you. Bring us forward. <laughs> I'm going to Houston Dynamo. And when I was looking at Houston, again, I think that they are going to be, you talk about on the field product. What are they going to look like? They're going to, I think the second year under Tab Ramos, they're going to look better as a squad. They're going to score more goals. So I'm going to say my very specific prediction for the Dynamo, they will have the greatest median age for goal scorers in the league. (laughs) I like that a lot. Are you calling them old? You're calling them old, basically. I, I'm i just calling them mature up front. <laughs> mature. They're very mature. They have Darwin Quintero, 33, Fafa Pico, who's 30, Christian Ramirez is 30, and Max Yoruti is 30. Man. So if any of those players score, no matter if you know we see Memo Rodriguez get a goal from the midfield, which he likes to do, and he likes to do it in style as well. That's still a good average age that's leading it up towards the 30s a little bit more. And one of the thing, one of the things I think that is going to be um, happening with Houston this year is they're going to use the, the players that are in those wing positions in various ways, tucking them inside that we, what we've seen in that half space or using them on the wing. But they have Darwin Quintero and Fafa Pico who are good 1v1, getting the ball into the box. Um, and then, Christian Ramirez, but more so Maxi Aruti have a really good goal scoring center forwards. And I think Aruti has traveled to a couple different teams, but under the right management can be super effective inside the 18. Yeah, looking at that front line is a really interesting group of players. You've got some of the older veterans. I mean, Christian Ramirez, I think, is is a quality player and he's kind of struggled to be able to to generate consistent output recently. Uruti as well can do it a little inconsistent, I feel like, in how he plays. But he's talented as well. He's a different kind of number nine than Christian Ramirez is. Yeah. And then they bring in Tyler Pasher from USL. They still have 
uh, Bajamich, who we talked about briefly last season when they brought him in from Argentina. Yeah. And then you've got, I mean, Darwin Quintero, all the guys that you mentioned already, there's talent in that front line. I'm curious to see how Tab Ramos balances that all together. And, and does he want them to press a little bit more? Last year, they were one of the least active pressing teams in the league. Does that change this year? Can that change with Darwin Quintero? Does that mean he's dropped? I mean, we have questions, obviously, but I like it, Jordan. Mm-hmm. They, they're going to have some old guys yeah. scoring some goals. Yeah, you gotta, you love to see it. <laughs> you love to see it. Age before beauty and all that, right? Uh, on yeah, right, on right. to the next team. I'm bringing us forward, unless you've got more on the Dynamo, Jordan. No, I'm good. Okay, on to the next team. I've got the Los Angeles Galaxy. My very specific prediction is as follows. The Galaxy will have the biggest jump in possession from 2020 to 2021 in Major League Soccer. It's kind of a no-brainer, right, Jordan? Wait, did we talk about this last week? Kind of, right? Was we kind of talked the opposite about- of what we talked about with <laughs> Toronto. It's very, it's the coaching carousel, right? Chris Armas leaves the Red Bulls. Right? Well, he's fired from the Red Bulls and then goes to Toronto after Greg Vanny's left Toronto to head to the Galaxy after Gamma Barscolotto has left the Galaxy, right? Or was fired from the Galaxy, whatever. However you uh-huh. want to say, we're splitting hairs here. It is kind of just like the one I made for Toronto. I think it fits nicely. When you see Chris Armas go to Toronto and Vanny leaves, the possession percentage and the number of passes that they're playing is going to dip. It's going to drop precipitously in Toronto. Not that they're gonna, not going to pass, but they're not going to pass as much. Shkeloto leaves the Galaxy. They're going to cross less under Greg Vanny, and they're going to pass the ball more. Last year, the Galaxy averaged 45% possession per game. Toronto last year averaged 54.5%. So I don't think we're going to see a 10% jump. That feels a little bit aggressive. I mean, we could. I'm not saying we we can't, but I don't think we're going to see that but I do think we'll see the Galaxy's tactical identity change. We're going to see fewer crosses. Jordan's happy about that. I'm happy about that. Everyone's happy about that. Maybe except Shkoloto. Uh, maybe except Ibrahimovic. Who knows? It doesn't matter. But they have the talent. This squad has the talent to play with the ball, especially in midfield. Along the back line, I'm a little bit less sure. But with Jonah Dos Santos, Efra Alvarez, Victor Vasquez coming in you know, and reuniting with Greg Vanny, they have real talent in this squad to do some fun things with the ball. Yeah. No, I agree. I I thought at first show that I had the galaxy when we were prepping for the show. <laughs> and I, I kind of, I mean, not that my prediction was exactly like yours, but I think as the season goes on, I was thinking, I think this galaxy squad is going to struggle a little bit in the first month as they really start to try to figure out or continue to figure out in game situations, in major league soccer, how to implement what Greg Vanny wants. But then once it clicks, maybe end of May, they are going to be the hot team come the summer. They're going to really see things flow. So I was like, that was my prediction, but I think it goes to your, you know, when you're trying to play, play possession, it is such a little bit more possession style. It is such an intricate way to build that up. And a lot of it, a lot of the times it comes with failure as well and giving away risky situations. And so I, I like that prediction. And I, I like that we can look at that at the end of the year when we do our recap and say, oh, well, they were. they um, We can see that number is yeah. significantly different. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I don't think it's I think it's going to be difficult for the Galaxy to get off to a rip-roaring start this year. It's hard to adjust. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time, and that's okay. It's just a reminder that that right. sometimes adjusting is just that. It's an adjustment, and that is a time-consuming process. One thing real quick. The Galaxy just brought in a designated player, a winger, Kevin Cabral, from France. He came from Ligue 2 over there, so... I haven't gotten a chance to watch some clips of him yet. I'm going to try to at some point this week just so that I can get a better idea of how he plays. But they spent decent money on him, so I'm interested to see how he's going to play this year. 
I just saw the clip that they posted of his signing and some of his highlights, yeah. and he does some interesting things as a as a winger. He he likes to come inside and play in that internal channel a lot mm. and combine, which I think could be fun with Chicharito in there. He's he's a player who can find that you know post up dish a pass to someone flying in behind. So um, I think they've signed a good one with that. Player. I like it, Cabral? Jordan. Thanks for the Cabral. scouting report. Cabral, I think. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't speak French, but I'll work on it. I'll get there. Um, Jordan, take us into the heart of LA, if you will, with our next Ooh, team on today's show. Yes, I will go to LAFC next. And my very specific prediction is LAFC will have 1.99 points per game in 2021. <laughs> Jordan, you bring the specificity on the <laughs> show two. in ways that I could only dream of. 1.99, is that what you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Almost two, but not quite two. <laughs> not, not quite two. So I, this was, I mean, points per game was really something we got introduced to in 2020 because of just the change of number of games. So I don't even know if that's going to be something that continues to be tracked this year, but we can always do the math ourselves and, and, and see what happens there. But for, LAFC, they had a little bit of a dip last year, and a lot of that has to do with missing their best player in Carlos Vela and him not being available for the majority of season. And so when you look back when they won Supporter Shield, their points per game was 2.12. So they okay. were cruising, cruising. Um, they also had a 48-goal differential that season. So you you really got to... I know, where's that? Plus 48 goal differential. <laughs> so crazy. Um, and also when I was doing this research 2019 and that season and just thinking about how, who Carlos Vela was, doesn't seem that far away, but it also does seem like a decade ago. Yeah, it really does. It's funny, huh? Yeah. Um, but I think with the inclusion of Vela back into the squad and, um, some of the players that they still have in Atuesta and Mark Anthony K centrally, they have some stability along the back line. I think it pushes Blessing back into the midfield, into where he is best in the system that Bob Bradley likes to play. I think this is going to be the LAFC of yesteryear. And I think they're going to do a lot of the things that we saw them do and implement it with that same confidence that we saw in 2019. Um, but there are some weird international things, and there's going to be players gone. So that's why the I took the points per game and, and lowered it a little bit from that 2019 year. But I think they're going to be flying. Yeah, they have the talent to do it, right? They're losing Brian Rodriguez, mm-hmm. or he's on loan right now in Spain. But they still have talent in that front line. I'm not comparing Brian Rodriguez and Corey Baird at all, to be clear. I want to make that really, 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 really clear. But Corey Baird is a really interesting signing. He can play as a nine, or he can shift wide and allow Vela or Rossi to pick up that spot during the game. I think it's going to be a largely interchangeable front three, like it was when Brian Rodriguez was still in this squad. And so, yeah, they have they have the talent. I have a lot of faith in Bob Bradley as a coach to continue to get good things out of this group. They are going to be a nightmare to play against this season. Jordan, I think 1.99 points per game. It feels doable for them. Yeah, it really does. It really does. On to Minnesota United. My very specific prediction is Asani Dotson will become a starter in midfield by June and will earn himself a spot on the U.S. Men's National Team's Gold Cup roster. So that's kind of a, a double. So I should get two points if I get that prediction right if we ever do go back through and review Absolutely. these. 
But I, I got to spit Absolutely. some some groundwork here. I got to lay some foundation. I kind of just mis- mixed up those metaphors. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The Euros <laughs> are happening. And this is going to all make sense in a minute. I promise. The Euros are happening from June 11th to July 11th. The Gold Cup is happening from July 10th to August 1st. Joe, why are you talking about the Euros? Well, Jan Gregus is probably going to be at the Euros with Slovakia for at least the month of June. I'm going to say the month of June. I don't think Slovakia are going to win the Euros, but they're going to play in some group stage games, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be gone for a while. So, Jordan, June is going to be Hassani Dotson's time to shine. I think he can get into the lineup when Gregus leaves after maybe getting some rotational minutes and all that good stuff. And then I I think he's going to lock down that spot, at least for the month of June, and give Greg Berhalter and the rest of his coaching staff enough over that month to say, yeah, we saw him in Olympic qualifying with the men's national team. We saw him, you know, in other moments with Minnesota United during this regular season. I think he could really make a push for that Gold Cup roster with the U.S. Okay, I like this prediction. And tell me if I'm crazy, but Hassani Dotson has played outside back and centrally. Yes, he has. Yep. And you feel like his spot is in the, the, as a, as a six? I think his spot is as, probably as an eight. I, I, I could go either way. Either way though, I think because Adrian Heath plays that double pivot, he's probably fine in either one of those spots and they can do, you know, an interchanging, you step, I'll drop kind of thing, right? Mm hmm. I like this because I did feel like Dotson in the Olympic qualifiers was the best midfielder that the U.S had he was the most aggressive he won the most balls back he was able to jump passes and really help at times a a team who i'm gonna be honest struggled to keep the ball and go forward in in different situations so i like this prediction and i like dotson with that you know there's so many opportunities over this year to get a chance to play within the U.S. men's national team system. So I think that that's a really good shout that he's going to just going to continue to grow and find himself into, you said World Cup qualifying or just the men's the, national The team? Gold Cup, just the Gold Cup roster for the U.S. The men's Cup. national team. Yeah. Okay. And right. I think I think just to close us out, I think Dotson is still rough on the ball. I think we saw that down in Mexico, but I like his energy. I like how he can pass and turn and move forward if he has a little bit of time and a little bit of space. I think he he will have some of those things at times in MLS, which is going to be good for him. And he he was hurt a little bit towards the end of that Olympic qualifying tournament for the U.S. And so if he can come in and be healthy and, and continue to play, show well off the bench, play some at right back, play some in midfield, and be, be at 100%, I think that's going to be huge for him. Yeah. Does he have to be great on the ball, though? I feel like he could be super simple and be effective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he's still a little bit sloppy, even in those simple moments. I think he can lose a bit on his touch. But you make a good point. It doesn't have to be – he doesn't have to wow you with the ball to still be a valuable player. Yeah. You have Reynoso in front of you. Just give him the ball. Yeah, yeah. You'll look a lot better at that point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, It's my turn if you're good to go. Absolutely. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to the Portland Timbers, and I am saying Diego Chara and Eric Williamson will combine for the most yellow cards of any two midfielders <laughs> in the league with I mean, 22. Okay, that's a lot, first of all. It feels like a lot. Maybe it's less for two players, but um, Diego Chara on his own, I think, might be in contention for that. So you add in <laughs> Eric Williamson, and you should be golden on this right. one, Jordan. Yeah, I just, you know, the way that Portland plays, these two are shoe-in starters, and I think it really is Eric Williamson's evolution over the past year and who he's become as a 
key central midfielder for this team, not only defensively, but what he can do going forward as well. So I, I think just one props to him and what he's done to be very successful in this Timbers, uh, the, the style of play that they like to have. And so I think that's why I, I think they're going to have so many yellow cards. Because when you think about the Timbers, they want to play in transition, quick, expansive, get after the other team. And when you do that, you're stretching the space in between the lines, which can expose you defensively, which is probably one of the reasons that Diego Chara has a lot of yellow cards over his time in Major League Soccer. So over his career, he's been here since 2011. He has on average a little, like almost nine yellow cards per season. So when you add in another player and he gets nine, I mean, that's already 18 yellow cards if you put the two together. So I I just put a little extra in there because (laughs) I just think that, um, you know, we might see a few more cards for those two. So (laughs) you like the, the ideas behind that, the tactics of... This is how Portland likes to play, so there's going to be some more space. They might have to foul a little bit more tactically. The tactical science of yellow cards. Jordan, I love that so much. I'm just lost (laughs) over here remembering when you were on the Total Soccer Show with Taylor talking about the She Believes Cup, and you guys got on to talking about cards and yellow cards and red cards. (laughs) Listeners, we won't talk about that here. Yeah, go back, go back and listen to it. Oh no, unless Jordan, if you want to tell that story, please go for it. I just, I just didn't want to make you go through that. No, I was just. I was just going to say, I did get a red card at Providence Park when I was playing pro, but it was <laughs> well, two yellows. Go. It was two yellows. It was two yellows red. and it was misidentification. So it wasn't mm. a straight red. Mm. Um, but I know what it's like to play in that stadium and get yellow cards. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically <laughs> Diego Chara is what I'm hearing. Basically. <laughs> same type of player. Same type of player. I love it. Yeah. Jordan, I love it a lot. I'm taking us okay. on to Real Perfect. Salt Lake. My prediction is this. David Ochoa is going to have two games this year that make us smile and think back to Olympic qualification before we remember just how bad it was. <laughs> we kind of talked about it with Asani Dotson a little bit. I was bit. smiling. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was smiling until you added that last part, and then it was true. It was bad. It was bad. But that first game against Costa Rica was fun because of David Ochoa and the heroic performance that he had in goal. To clarify my prediction real quick, I talked about he's going to have two games that make us smile and, and blah, blah, blah. I don't just mean he's going to get two starts this season. I mean he's going to have two starts of his many starts that make us go, man, this guy can ball and make us think back to that Olympic qualification performance against Costa Rica in the group stage of that tournament. It's Zach McMath, it's Andrew Putna, and and David Ochoa is fighting for a spot over those two guys. He's the most talented between McMath and Putna and, and himself by a mile, I think. He only started one game last year, though, between playing in USL and having a, a bit of an injury. This, to me, feels like his year. But to be honest, Jordan, I said that last year. So who knows? You said that in our predictions? I, I said it at some point early on in the season. I think maybe it was yeah, okay. before the MLS is back tournament. We did another round of predictions or something like that. Okay. Well, I do. I would like to see him play more. So I agree with that. And just thinking about it made me smile until it didn't. So I think that's a good prediction. It's already general. valid. It's already valid. I have yeah, some real... Right, exactly. I have some real questions about RSL's roster. They're in a really tough spot right now without an owner. They weren't really able to invest a lot this yeah. offseason. And they have a squad that I think needs an influx of cash. And they need an influx of talent. Ochoa, to me, looks like the brightest spot. Yeah, they've got Aaron Herrera and Justin Glad along the back line. I'm always interested to see how those guys do. And they have some talent up top. Bobby Woods coming in midseason. But Ochoa, for me, is the real bright spot in this group. I'm excited to see how he does in 2021. All right. Well, I'm going to San Jose Earthquakes next if you oh, want yes. to follow me to California. Please. I'd love to. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so you you had a double prediction earlier, so I'm gonna actually add into that mix if I can. <laughs> Please do. Because I want two points. We gotta make it even. I, yeah, I want you're right. two points if I can. Keep get up, it. Jordan. Keep up. So my my prediction for San Jose is they will have twenty three games in twenty twenty one with four plus goals scored. Okay. Yeah. I'm into and that. And four plus, let me just be clear, is total goals. It's goals for San Jose and it's goals for the opponent. So when I was looking at San Jose's games last year, there was 14 games that they played with over four goals in them. <laughs> in and a short some of those season. Those games were well, well, yeah, well, well, well over, <laughs> over four goals. Yeah, 14, 14 games in what, maybe 20? I don't know yeah. if they even got 20 in. Yeah. Um, they might not have because they were in the West with the Rapids. So, I just am not convinced, Joe. I'm not convinced the defensive techniques for the San Jose Earthquakes is sustainable and that Almeida will veer from that system if it doesn't work. So this is a team that gives up a lot of goals, but they also score good goals. And there's many times that you and I talk about them getting on the ball and possessing going forward and the beauty that it can be between Yule spraying the ball to Espinosa, who finds Wando in the box and there comes my second prediction. Bring it. <laughs> Wando's back, baby. So we got to talk about Wando. That last year was his first year in 10 straight years that he didn't score over 10 goals. So I'm going to go Wando. Because of this prediction that there's going to be a lot of goals, Wando's going to have 10 plus goals. As well. Yes. Get Just back on track, it. Wando. It feels right, doesn't it? The earthquakes. I love these <laughs> yeah, predictions, by the way. First, you got you got to give credit to Wando, and you did that. You checked that box. But then yeah. it, they, they fit together so well. They fit together so well. It's like a Russian nesting doll. You take off the the first doll, yes, and there's another doll underneath. That was my thought. You, you open the earthquakes, <laughs> and it's just Wando there in in wooden doll form. This took a real turn. <laughs> I don't really know what happened here, but the earthquakes last year. I was it's just. Good, though. I was just doing, thank you, a little write-up on them for a piece I'm working on. I talked about it on our stereo show last week. And the earthquakes went through the month of September. And that was their, we're going to give up five goals and we're going to give up six goals and then four goals. But then we're going to win five to two or some crazy scoreline. There were so many of the games that you're talking about in this prediction. Getting to 22 of them over a longer season, it could it could be a 2-2. It could be a 3-1, a more normal scoreline. And you're still going to get credit for that. Jordan, I think that's brilliant. Exactly. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Thank you very much. I'll accept my award <laughs> now. Yeah. I'll, I don't I – don't, here. Here's a virtual award that I'm holding up in the camera. You probably can't see it because <laughs> oh, it's dark you. while I record. <laughs> I'm going to get us out of the virtual awards and Russian nesting dolls and take us up the West Coast a bit to the Seattle Sounders. The Sounders will play more games out of a three-center back shape than any other team in the Western Conference. It feels weird to say Ooh. it. We always think yeah. Brian Smetzer, Seattle 4-2-3-1. By his own admission, that's really not going to be the case this year. It's likely that they're going to shift to a two-forward front. That could be a 4-4-2. It could be a 4-4-2 diamond. It could be a three-something-something-something, right? And that's what I'm banking on. The Sounders don't have a lot of depth, but they do ha- – at center back, I should – qualify that they don't have a lot of depth yeah. at center back but they've got Yamar, they've got Ariaga, they've got Shane O'Neill, they've tried Nuhu at left center back in a back three this preseason I believe from what I gathered on Twitter which oh, is a nice. whole interesting beautiful experiment that I can only see playing out beautifully and not at all in a dangerous way but they it seems like Brian Schmetzer is shifting more towards a 3-5-2 or a 3-4 I mean I don't know but without Jordan Morris it makes playing that 4-2-3-1 challenging which is why I think they'll play more out of a three center back shape than any other team in their conference. 
Did we talk about this or did we talk about this? We talked about this, Jordan, way back we- when. I think, didn't we? Yeah, we talked about just the the players that Seattle has and how it makes sense for them to play with potentially two players up front. And if that's kind of where you're basing it off of, it, it seems like the team fills in well with that system. It's not forcing, you know, it's not forcing a square peg into a round hole. It's saying, okay, this is the these are the players that we have, and we're going to try to fit our formation to them. I yeah. had to get in some kind of analogy because you did. <laughs> yeah, because mine were so good, right? Um, I think I think with Seattle, we talked about this. We had a listener question when Jordan Morris moved over to yes. Swansea, right? That was before the injury, but either way, he was going to be gone from the squad. And then we talked about it again when they brought in Freddie Montero. So we've talked about it a couple times this year, and I think from what Schmetzer is saying, it seems like it's it's actually going to happen. So there's my prediction. The Sounders yeah, are going to play I more like out of a three-center back shape than any other team in the West. Okay. Gosh. Feels good to kind of know what's happening. Yeah, we're we're just that that good, good? folks. We're that good. Kind of predicted that. We're just that good. I'm so glad you guys are all listening to us. Yeah, (laughs) all of these predictions will therefore come true. Yes, we've we've predicted it to be so. Bring us bring us on, Jordan. Who you got next? Is this our last one? I've got one more. We've got two more teams total. One each of us. Okay, my last one. Yep, my last one. Sporting Kansas City. I'm going, my very specific prediction is Gaddy Kinda and Alan Polito will directly combine for 10 goals this season. I love that. I love that so much because we talked about last year how Alan Polito will drop, Gaddy Kinda will push forward. They oftentimes occupy similar spaces. I think they could get a lot of touches in, in similar areas together this year. Mm-hmm. And we we missed a lot of Alan Polito last year due to injury. He will probably go, be gone for chunks of the season with, as you mentioned, the Gold Cup, World Cup qualifying, whatever it may be. There there might be times where he's not there. So I think this number actually could have been more just with how Polito came in, found his way in MLS rather easily. And I just like the way he plays. He's a really intelligent number nine, can not only post up, but he can drop in the midfield. He's lethal in the box. And then you have Gaddy Kinda, who one might be one of my favorite midfielders yes. in Major League Soccer because he is so fluid. There are players, Joe, that you see, especially I think it can it might be a little bit hard because you know how Peter Vermees wants to play. There is a system that you that he wants to play. And sometimes when you get into a system, it's hard for players to f- feel the game out. And I feel like Gaddy Kinda feels the game as well. He knows what he want, his coach wants him to do. He understands what they, they need to do defensively and what they probably want to do going forward. But also he has a pulse on the game where he can make decisions that are the right decisions in that moment. And I think that that's why I think these two will directly combine. So it's uh, Gaddy Kinda's assist to an Alan Polito goal or an Alan Polito assist to a Gaddy Kinda goal. Yeah, I'm all in on this one. No because second assists. No second assists. I don't, I don't even though it's on brand. Second, no even though no MLS, MLS assists, assists are on brand for us, we don't want to. We don't want to just know. give those away like candy. You know, we got to be careful exactly. with how we award those things. <laughs> From the moment I, I first saw Gaddy King to play in person, I saw him play down in Tucson in preseason last year with Sporting Kansas City. He looked really good. He he was already adjusted in preseason. Now you give him a full season. Yeah, it was a weird season, but coming into year two in Sporting in, in Kansas City, I think that's going to be huge for him and Polito. Man, he's just Major League Soccer's Roberto Firmino. That's it's that simple. He plays in a very similar way. He's so good. good. Yeah. I can see these players doing some real damage to other teams and other defenses in MLS. Yep. 
Okay, last one. Let's bring it home. Because we've last talked actually one. longer than we planned to, but yeah. this has been fun. This has been fun. We're gonna bring it we're gonna bring it home right here with the Vancouver White Caps. My prediction. Dybar Caicedo will rack up the most expected goals plus expected assists in Major League Soccer's lightweight division. And I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack this one because that's not a soccer term, it's a boxing term, but we'll get to that. I mean it's very um on brand for this episode. We're just bringing <laughs> okay. in all the analogies. But also, it wouldn't be a prediction show if you didn't bring an expected goal. So, thank so you. true. You You're welcome. It, you brought it in at the end. I had to get the metrics in at the very end just so we didn't go a show without it. But I, I, I want to institute yeah, divisions in MLS like boxing has. You know, they've got heavyweight. They've got featherweight, yes. welterweight. I'm going with lightweight because I, I know that one. Yes. And I did some research on boxing because I know nothing about boxing. But I know that that is a division in boxing. So we're going with it. I want to make up a division of players that is solely uh, solely players who are five foot five and one thirty five. So five foot five inches tall. That's not how you say that, but we're going with it. Five foot five inches and then one hundred and thirty five pounds. Dybar Caicedo is in that lightweight and short division, Jordan. It's pretty funny that that's actually a pretty relevant division within Major League Soccer. <laughs> yeah, I mean there are some players who who fall into that category. The, the yeah, height is are. a real the height is a real tricky one, and I I kind of am bending the rules a little bit because I don't think in boxing that's a thing. It's just strictly off of weight, but I make the right. rules around here, you know. But I can think of two other ones right off: uh, Michael Barrios and Maxi Morales. Yeah. Okay. Well, Maxi Morales might be a tough that? one. Yeah, probably. I'm gonna hope that Maxi Morales has gained a few pounds. This offseason? Okay, he's out of it. Sorry, um, the pounds. I was thinking the height, heightness. heightness. Yeah, they, they are both a little okay, on the, just talk. I'm on the shorter side. This prediction, I, I bent a few rules. I'm not sure I actually believe this, but it was a way for me to get at how I think Dybar Caicedo was going to be one of Vancouver's more creative players this year, if not their most creative player until they get that number 10 they've been looking for. He's right footed. He's crafty. He's small. He's really creative in and around the box from what I've seen. And I think he could very well be Vancouver's primary playmaker, primary, you know, attacker outside of Lucas Cavallini until they get that 10. So I'm excited to see him this year. I want to watch and see what he brings to this Vancouver team because I think they need him badly. And I think he's got the skill to deliver in that, in that made up lightweight division. Well, I like your division. And I also like that you're giving us something to look for for Vancouver because they're a wild card. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know about them. And I, Honestly, I'm trying to I, – I, I want things to look forward to, to like pinpoint not, – not look forward to because I think they're going to play some good soccer this year. But to pinpoint specific things about them, I'm here for it. And I, I appreciate that, Joe. And I think we really just nailed that Western Conference preview. Dang right we did. We predicted, what, 13 teams? We had 14 last week with the Eastern Conference. We had 13 more very specific predictions here with the Western Conference. Jordan, this is the last time you and I will talk until there have been actual MLS games going on. So Friday, the season starts April uh, 16th, I think it is. I don't have my calendar up right now. You know what date it is, listeners. It doesn't matter what I say it is. Okay, Friday, April 16th, then Saturday and Sunday, we will have some talk about some topic. We haven't decided what it's going to be, but we will be back to talk actual MLS next week. Jordan, thank you for joining me and and powering through this offseason with me. Yeah, it was it was fun, Joe. I can't wait for our MLS to get started. And thank you, listeners, for listening and sending us all your questions. We really love hearing from you guys. So um, cheers to the start of 2021 MLS season. Cheers, Jordan. Listeners, thank you all for listening. And we will be back again very soon. <laughs>